Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 1, and we're going to go 1 through 12, and I'm going to talk to you about wise men still seek Him this morning, and we're going to talk a little bit about the wise men. I have some interesting nuggets for us. The Bible says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Now notice the Bible said that they came from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? They recognized his deity, or they recognized his royalty. For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship Him. Somebody say worship. Worship. Come to worship. That's significant. I'm going to share with you later about that. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Now I want you to notice that he said that they, that the Bible said that they searched diligently for the young child, for the young child. Now in verses 8 through 21, the Bible actually refers to Jesus nine different times as the young child, the young child. And when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So I think it's also important for us to understand that this was a traveling star. This was a traveling star. A lot of people, we just kind of miss that, you know. And, uh, you know, I was talking to my wife about it a little bit uh, a couple of days ago, and I told her, I said, you know, there, there can be a trap because in the Old Testament, the Bible said that the children of Israel were led by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day, and it, and it travels. So God can do these uh, amazing things in the cosmos. So then the Bible said, it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse number 10, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. I want you to pray with me this morning that the Lord helps me deliver this in the right way. Father, we come to you right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, I just thank you that we can worship. I thank you that we can gather together here today and celebrate the birth of Jesus and that we can worship. I pray that you would touch me to be able to effectively communicate your word today. May these nuggets from your word inspire us to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. 
Now, in the very beginning of, of what I want to uh, share with you this morning, I just want to make this statement. Jesus wasn't even on the earth ten minutes and people were seeking Him out to worship Him. I said He wasn't even on the earth ten minutes and people were seeking Him out to worship Him. The whole goal of the manger, the whole goal of the life and the ministry of Jesus, the 33 and a half years that Jesus lived on the earth the three and a half years of His ministry. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His ascension, the whole goal of all of that is so that we can have communion with God. So that we can draw closer to God. So we can draw closer to the heart of God. God wants us to worship Him. He wants us to be close to Him. Now, I want to say just a few things about these wise men. These wise men were called the Magi. They were magicians. They weren't prophets. They weren't priests. They weren't even kings. They were sorcerers. They were sorcerers. They, they, they studied theology. They studied books of old. They studied astrology. They were sorcerers. And they noticed that something was going to happen and that because of their studying of the scriptures, they knew that something significant was getting ready to happen in the earth 430 some years after Daniel actually prophesied it. They knew that something significant was going to happen in the earth. And so by studying this, they began to watch the stars and they noticed that there was a star that appeared and they recognized it. Now listen very closely. They recognized it from the prophecies of what we would consider and many theologians would consider the prophecy that came from the father of the Magi in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17 and that person is widely known as Balaam. Balaam, the one that, you know, God, uh, God used a donkey to talk to him. Remember? because he was employed to go and curse Israel. And every time that he would get in front of Israel, nothing but blessing would come out. And he was, he's commonly known in theology as the father of the Magi. Now, I want them to put up Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 17, if they would, please. Just put that up. Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. And I want you to see this in the Scripture where he prophesied about the coming. Are you not ready back there? Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. I can pull it up here if I need to. There it is. Okay. I shall see him, but not now. This is Balaam talking. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of of Sheth. So you say, Pastor, why in the world would you bring this to me? Because I want you to understand that God can use anybody. God can use anybody. 
God can actually use people that are magicians and sorcerers that's actually seeking for God and searching for God and maybe on the wrong track. God can use them and through signs and through wonders and through prophecies and through the scripture and things like that, God can draw them close to Him. Why? Because Jesus later said, If you seek me, you will find me. If you knock, it will be open unto me. That's what Jesus was saying. So these magi were amazing people. One of the things that we learned through Balaam is that Satan cannot curse what God has blessed. And some of you need to hear that this morning. Satan cannot curse what God has blessed. Now let me kind of build on that just a little bit and let you know that neither can man curse what God has blessed. So if we're living in the blessing of the Lord, if we're living under the blessing of the Lord, if we're living in the revelation of who Jesus is, if we're living in the revelation of who we are, according to Him, sons of God, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, then people can say or do whatever they want to, but they cannot curse what God has blessed. And so Balaam would try to curse Israel, but blessings were the only things that would come out. So when they saw this star, They had studied the scriptures, the holy writings. When they saw this star and they kept seeing this star that would rise out of Israel, then they went on this journey looking for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 2, we kind of pick it up there. In Matthew chapter 2, the Bible said that they first went to Jerusalem. And they went to Jerusalem looking for Jesus. Now, listen, from Persia to Jerusalem which is the Iran-Iraq area, from Persia to Jerusalem is approximately a 1,000 miles. They saw this star. They recognized it from the holy writings of, the, of old. They recognized that the father of the Magi had prophesied that this star would rise and this scepter would, scepter would rise out of Jerusalem, they put all of it together and they went on a thousand mile journey to find Jesus. Now I'm not going to try to get to this morning, but, I, but there are people that won't even walk across the street. They won't even walk across the street to find Jesus. They won't even come across. They, I mean, there are people that are not here this morning. I'm not throwing down on them, but this is Jesus' birthday. There's no other place you ought to be then celebrating the birth of Jesus on on Christmas Day. Well, what about my family? Well, what about your family? You know, what about Jesus? It's, It's His birthday. It's His birthday. Oh, my goodness, we get to celebrate the birthday of Jesus. And so this was so important to them. And so the question is, what if we were as excited about His presence as these sorcerers were? As these magicians were? Now... Let's go to uh, verses 10 and 11. Matthew chapter 2 and uh, verses 10 and 11 here. I want to talk to you about the way that, that they worshipped. Here's what the Bible said. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And the Bible says when they were come into the house, not the manger, the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. Now, this term, fall down, if you study it, it means to fall violently down and be shattered. 
If you study it, it means that, that, that's what it means. So they didn't just come in and just so nicely and sweetly kneel down and bow like this. When they came into the presence of the two-year-old king of kings, after traveling for a thousand miles to find him, the Bible said that they began to rejoice with not just joy, but exceeding great joy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were saying, we found him. He's here. We studied the Holy Scriptures. We came by way of Jerusalem. We came through Bethlehem. Now we're down in Egypt in the house where Jesus is. We're down in Egypt and we see him and they rejoice with exceeding great joy and they were overcome with emotion and they fell down violently and were shattered inside of themselves. I like to think that that was the day that they came to the realization of who Jesus really was and the chains and the shackles of sorcery began to break off of them and all of that stuff began to break off of them because they believed at that moment and that belief created great joy, exceeding great joy. I have never met a person yet who comes into the full revelation of who Jesus really is, that it doesn't create some kind of an outward expression of the inward emotion that they're feeling. The day that we give our life to Christ, most of us, the day that we gave our life to Christ, the days that followed there, we were walking just with, with light heart. There was a step, you know, a, a light step because we felt the weight of sin that came off of us. Some, some had to kind of go along just a little bit farther until the shackles of bondages and addictions and depression and things like that, they had to work their way through that. But once it was broken off of them, then there's a, a joy that comes inside of them. And the Bible calls it like this, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Joy unspeakable and full of... So today we celebrate like the wise men did. We celebrate the coming of Jesus with joy unspeakable and full of joy. Uh, 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 of glory. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Thank you, Bishop Johnson. Full of, full of jewelry. No, no, glory. Shoo. Still thinking about spoiling Donna. Okay. Now, Listen. So many people think that spirit-filled churches are for those that are just a little off their rocker, the uneducated. You know, those that really, they really don't understand because if they understood, they would be more proper and they would be more dignified and they would walk in like, you know, all of the, Let me tell you something. These wise men were as educated as you can get. They were as educated as you can get. And when they came into the presence of the King of Kings, I'm talking about before Calvary. I'm talking about before the cross. I'm talking about before the power of the resurrection. I'm talking about before the ascension. They just walked into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who was at that point two years old and had not even started his ministry and they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. So here's my question. Why are we so reserved in our worship? Why are we afraid to clap our hands and shout unto God? Well, I don't, I don't want people to think bad things about me. They're going to think things about you whether you worship Him or whether you don't. 
Why are you held hostage by someone else's emotions or opinions about you? The only person you should care about is what he thinks about you. Hallelujah. And, and let me share this with you. If the person that's finding fault with your worship walked just one day in your shoes, they would probably be more radical than you are about giving God their praise and their worship. Hallelujah. I sing because there's an empty grave. I sing because there's power to save. I sing because His grace is real to me. I sing because I am not alone. I sing because someday I'm going home where I shall live with Him throughout eternity. Come on, somebody. It's rejoice with exceeding great joy. Rejoice. He's here. He's alive. He was born. Rejoice. Well, I don't know about that, Pastor. That's just a little radical for me. All right, Psalms chapter 47 and verse 1. Come on, let's get it up there. Quick, you got to stay with me. Psalms 47. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's a command. It's a command. It's a command. Well, I just don't think it's reverent. I think it's less than reverent to not obey the Scripture. Amen. Try it. You might like it. <laughs> Psalms 95 and verse number 1. Let's look at this. I'm talking about expressions of worship in the Scripture. Now, this is not, this is not Pentecostal expressions of worship. This is not charismatic expressions of worship. This is extravagant, exceeding, joyful expressions of worship. Here's what the Bible says. Oh, come. You know, the same ones that said clap your hands and shout. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. What? Noise. noise? I thought that we were supposed to be quiet when we came to church. I didn't think we were supposed to clap our hands. I didn't think we were supposed to lift our hands. I didn't because we because we have to be we have to be reverent. Listen, you can be reverent and be noisy at the same time. <laughs> Hallelujah. And here's what the Bible said: sing unto the Lord, not for others and not to the person beside you, but sing unto the Lord, and together let us make that joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now let's go down to verse number 6. Let's look at this. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. Now let's go to Psalms 134 and verse number 2. So we see where the Bible says to clap and shout. We see where the Bible says to sing and make noise. We see where the Bible says to worship and bow down. And now look at this. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Extravagant worship. Expressions of worship. Expressions of... You glad you came this morning now? See there? Expressions of worship. Expressions of praise. Hallelujah. 
And you know something? I don't know about you, and, I, and this isn't a throw off on anyone else. I'm talking about myself right here, okay? And I believe that because of God's grace, He's made me wise. But before God's grace, if God can use a wise man to do this, then He could sure use a dumb one. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then God's grace, then you add God's grace and the wisdom of heaven comes into us because we seek His wisdom and we begin to worship and we begin to praise. So the next time someone looks at you like, when you're trying to worship and praise God and clap your hands, just look at them and say, come on, help. Let's worship the Lord together. Clap your hands. Shout unto God. Be joyful. Kneel before him, bow down before him, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Now, let's continue on here to verse number 11. Continue with verse number 11. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, just let me say this before we move into this. We haven't completely worshipped until we have given. I said we haven't completely worshipped until we have given. Worship and giving go together. They're hand in hand. It's like cake and frosting. Hamburgers and cheese. They go hand in hand. Some of you, you know, B.C., before Christ, would say tequila and orange juice. I'm, I'm just, is that right? Or vodka and orange juice? So you can tell. I'm, I'm trying to put it in words you can understand. Trying to hit all the bases here. Has everybody got it? Does everybody understand? Everybody understands. Okay, we haven't completely worshipped until we have given. You know what David said? The Bible said that they were in, in a battle and someone risked his life. He said, I thirst. And someone risked their life and ran and got him a cup of water and brought that water through the battle and all this to King David. And everyone around David was thirsty. And David took that cup of water, as thirsty as he was, and he poured it out on the ground before God and everybody. And he said, I will not offer to God that which has cost me nothing. The Bible says, now listen to me very closely, they opened unto him their treasures. That's what the Bible says. In the midst of their worship, falling before Him, worshiping Him with exceeding great joy, they opened unto Him their treasures. When the Magi traveled, they had emergency funds and they called it their treasures. And that usually because there could be war, there could be famine, there could be all kinds of things, and they usually would carry enough money with them to last them for about 36 months. They got into their savings, they got into their treasures, they got into the things that they had worked all of their life for, the things that was the most precious to them. They opened unto Him their treasures and they presented to God the things that meant the most to them. That's worship. That's worship. 
when we start offering to God the things that are precious in our lives. That's one of the reasons why we do baby dedications. Because the babies are the most precious things in our life. And when a mother and a father stand here and we dedicate that baby to the Lord, we're saying, Lord, this is the most precious thing, the most treasured thing that I have. And Lord, I offer this child to you to come into partnership with you, to raise it in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. And we're asking for your blessing and your favor upon this child. That's why we do it. Because it's the most treasured thing that we have. Now they offered three kinds of gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And I know gifts for prophet, priest, king. Or we could say it like this. Gold was a gift for royalty. Frankincense was a gift for divinity. You know, frank incense, you know, like prayer ascending up into the nostrils of God. So frankincense was for divinity and myrrh was humanity or for the anointing of the dead. And a lot of times we could say that that's for prophet, priest, and king, and that would be accurate. But let me say this to you. The reason they brought gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh was because those were the most valuable commodities from the land where they came. It was the most valuable thing that their land produced. And they brought those gifts to Jesus. Now I want to ask you this question this morning. We're closing, but come on Robin if you would. I want to ask you this question this morning. How long has it been since you've brought your best to God? I'm not even talking about money. We'll receive an offering in a little bit, but I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about your best obedience, your best worship, your best praise. What about giving Him the first and the best part of your day? When you are freshly rested and it's easier to hear David said, early will I seek thee, O God. And the reason that he sought him early was because that was the time of day when there was the least distractions. There were the least distractions. It was the best time of the day. So how long has it been since we've brought our best to God? That's number one. Number two, how long has it been since you have actually identified your best? Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, here's, here's really simply what I mean by that. So many times we put value on things that don't matter. The most valuable thing that you can give to God is your life. Your life, your whole entire life. That's the whole purpose for the manger there was no reason for God to send his son Jesus to this earth to be born of a virgin and lay in a manger and grow up and go through what he went through there was no reason for him to do that except connection with you it's God's desire for you to become part of the family of God.
for you to become a son of God, for you to become a daughter of God. It's, it's God's desire. You say, well, I'm just concerned. You know, I mean, we go to church, and every now and then I'll go to church on Christmas, and I'll go to church on Easter. I call them CEO Christians, you know, Christmas and Easter only. It's okay. You know, it's a preacher joke. You don't have to laugh at it. It's all right. But so many times we do that, and, we, and I think the reason that people don't come anymore, and listen, I'm talking to you now. I'm talking to my CEO Christians right now. I think the reason is because you're afraid of what it will cost you. I want to tell you what it's going to cost you. Everything. But it's worth it. It's worth it. I would rather live one week in the presence of God and under the blessing of God than the rest of my life without Him. Without Him. And that's why He sent Jesus. He sent Him to communicate His love for you. Just like the wise men sought Him and found Him and they brought their best to God, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing this morning. I'm speaking to saint and sinner alike right now. Bring your best to God. Let Him have the rest of your life. Serve Him. Love Him. Learn from Him. Enjoy the benefits of being a Christian. People say, well, if I'm a Christian, here's a list of things I can't do. Well, if you're a sinner, here's a list of things you can't do. You need to have a relationship with the Lord. And I know you know that because I can feel the Holy Spirit tugging on you right now. The Holy Spirit's working on you more than I am. I mean, He's, he's reaching down inside of you saying, today's the day. I prepared this day especially for you. You thought you were just coming to church, but I marked this day as the day that I would pull you to me. Hallelujah. So right now, let's bow our heads and let's close our eyes all over this building. And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, And you can say to me, Pastor Jonathan, I realize that there are things in my life that I need to surrender to the Lord. I need to surrender my life to Him. I need to make Him the Lord of my life. Not just the Savior of my soul, but I also need Him to be the Lord of my life, of all the things that matter in my life. And I need you to pray for me, Pastor. If that's you, I want you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, just to lift your hand. I'm the only one looking. All right, anyone else? All right, anyone else? Anyone else? You can put your hands down. I want you to put them up. You can put them back down. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you. All right, anyone else? God's moving. God's dealing on people's hearts. Those of you that are watching live stream right now, you can, you can communicate. You can email in. You can do the little chat thing they have going. There'll be someone there that'll pray with you. 
I want everyone that will now to grab the hand of the person beside you. There are some that raise their hands. I want you to grab the hand of the person beside of you and together let's just pray and say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to come into my heart and make me a Christian. I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died on Calvary for me. And today, I receive and confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that God came inside of you and He's living inside of you, and it's the beginning of a life with God. Now, I have three challenges for those of us that are Christians and those of you that prayed that prayer. If you weren't 30 seconds ago, you are now. So this is your challenge also. Three challenges for when we come to church in 2017. Are you ready? Number one, when we come to church in 2017, let's come expecting the presence of God. Come on, will you do that? Come on. All right. That's number one. Number two, when we come to church in 2017, and by the way, that starts next Sunday. When we come to church in 2017, let's come ready to express our worship to God. Huh? Yeah. Hallelujah. And when we come to church in 2017, let's come ready to give our best to God. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. Come on. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669. Or you may call us at 727-856-1770. Our office hours are Monday through Wednesday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Thursdays, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m., And remember, the Word will work if you work the Word.